0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malt House Games podcast. My name is Delton. I will be your host this afternoon, and with me, as usual, is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. Howdy, folk! Now, for the first time ever, I've input the intro before we started talking, so we can hear it as we begin recording, and it was very nice, actually.
1: It kind of gets you in the mood. It that, does. It that, sets that mood that tone. music. Like, oh yeah, this is delightful. This is a Wholesome podcast we're about to roll into, y'all.
0: Every time you all listen to us, however you do that, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, whatever platform you choose, you get to hear that music and then it goes into us talking. And on our end, when we start recording, normally it's just, okay, you ready? Okay, I guess I'm ready. (gasps) Hello and welcome. And we just get into (laughs) it with a big breath beforehand. But this time we had the music. And so there was something about that that set the tone.
1: That was delightful.
0: It's just an easier, honestly, it makes my editing only like, 10 seconds faster for that spot. However, I just think it's helpful to have.
1: Yeah, it was really nice. It's kind of like your cue.
0: It is. It is the cue for the show is beginning and starting. And here we are.
1: feel really rusty coming off today. It's been a month since we've recorded.
0: It has. We did the Alan Girding interview on like a Friday, Thursday,
1: something like that. Was it a Sunday? It was a Sunday. We
0: recorded it on a Sunday. It came out the next week. And that Saturday... We recorded Ben Canellis's interview. So it's been since Alan's, which is now two months as of, I guess, tomorrow. Two months. Two months since. Sorry, not two months. Uh, it's been a month, yeah. two episodes worth since Ben's recording. There we yeah. go. My brain's all over the place.
1: And the thing is, like, whenever we recorded Ben's, we're like, oh, we have a whole month. We can totally, like, record some early. And guys, this next podcast, as we're recording it, it comes out in 22 hours. So. Early-ish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we did the same thing where we are like, you know what? We can record this weekend, and we get busy during the week, so we don't do it then for sure, and it just, you know, here we are. But, hey, we're back. It's a normal episode this week, not an interview. We hope you guys are enjoying the interview episodes. Uh, we've had fun doing them, recording them, talking with our friends. So it's been nice. It's been nice to do something a little different that we want to do a bit more of in the future.
1: So if you guys have any feedback on the interviews we've been doing, I know Delt and I are pretty new to the interview process, um, and so if you have any feedback or uh, any direction we should go, let us know. We'll take that into consideration, because we've been having fun doing the interviews. We it's hope been our, very fun. We hope our guests have, too. We're really grateful to have had Alan on as well as Ben.
0: Getting everyone on has just been a good time. But since we've recorded that, uh, we haven't done a ton. We've played some board games together. Uh, playing a lot of video games for me. Haley's been practicing guitar more. We have a crap ton of yard work done in the backyard, which was a mess because of our wisteria vine. We got a roll off dumpster, threw all of it away except for the last bits, and that's pretty much been our life. Is just uh, living the norm, trying to at least.
1: My garden is beautiful. My potatoes are wild. Here we My go. lettuce is gorgeous green, absolutely gorgeous my pepper plants are sprouting and my squash and pumpkins are getting big and they'll should start flowering soon which i'm really excited about and then delton um as he was we were cleaning out the plants from our backyard he basically cleaned out a whole new flower bed for me and so i'm going to be researching this weekend to see if there's anything i can plant cuz i know it's it's may 17th so it's a little late in the season for a lot of planting but if i can find maybe at least a couple of things that can stand being planted late we're going to see if we can get those get those ready to go, because I have so much unused space now. Oh, Dalton's pouring our beer. So today we're only going to have one beer, because this one beer is 17% alcohol. I thought it was 18. 18% alcohol. And so when splitting this, basically it's the alcohol equivalency of us each drinking a full 8% beer. So on or so forth.
0: So we're just going to split it. Uh, today's beer, I wanted to dive into this early, because I'm... Really wanting to try it, but also get it out of the way so we can just talk games from here on out once we're done with the beginning intros. Uh, This is the Raison D'Extra from Dogfish Head, which is one of our, probably my favorite brewery in the end, because I've never drank something of theirs and said, not a fan. They've all been great. They've always been like, you know, if I have to choose from a list of IPAs and there's a Dogfish Head 90 minute, 60 minute, 120 minute, I... (laughs) There's a good chance I'm leaning that way. You know, I just, I really appreciate what they do. Uh, The raison d'extra is brewed with an obscene amount of malt, brown sugar, and raisins. That's literally all this says. There's no other descriptors. But there's a guy with a guitar on the front. There is a dude with a guitar on the front and a cowboy-ish
1: hat. So this comes from a, a craft brew pack. So as you guys probably know, Dalton and I each have fun budget money every month. And I blew my entire fun budget money on beer (laughs) this month. Uh, Oklahoma has a craft beer festival that happens every year, normally at this weekend. But of course, this weekend, there's a plague going on. So what they're doing is they sold uh, packages of beer. You can get 24 beers for 40 bucks. And they were a random assortment of local beers. But I actually got the Whale Hunter package, which is a whole bunch of beers that are expensive. Expensive. And sometimes really rare, and so I spent my whole fun budget money on twenty four beers and this was one of them but by God, these beers are great. It was worth the price' cause, like this beer is typically sometimes eight or nine dollars a bottle
0: to buy I believe that this was the one that to buy a four pack it was
1: forty I think it was forty it was like thirty six to forty dollars
0: something like thirty six to forty five at uh, grand Cru down on May in Britain, one of our favorite liquor stores
1: and so like it's totally worth it to have gotten the package It was still always like. How old am I that I spent my entire fun budget money on beer?
0: <laughs> I have spent my fun budget money on my keyboard parts. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast yet. Oh, God. But uh, I have found the world of custom keyboards where you order the um, the PCB, which is the, um, I don't know why I can't think of the term for it. Oh, my gosh. Like the board, the electronical green colored usually board inside of electronics. Why is it? Circuit board. There we go. Ah. You order the circuit board. I like
1: how you're looking at me as if I knew the answer. I'm hoping you would get there.
0: (laughs) Uh, You order the circuit board, whatever keycaps you want, whatever switches you want, because obviously it's mechanical, not nasty membrane. And you can pick different cases, different layouts you can do, program it. I'm going to lube the switches so they're smoother and quieter. There's all kinds of things you can do. Um, I'm super, super excited. Uh, I'm not doing soldering because soldering, I don't have a soldering iron. Didn't want to spend the money on that yet. So I'm doing what they call hot swap where you can put the key switches in, take them out if you want to switch them so they're less permanent. You can always desolder something, but they still consider that permanent. This is like a temporary, you know, thing. But I'm very excited to build a keyboard. I just have to wait until probably the middle of June to have all my stuff. Then I can put it together, and I'm super stoked.
1: Just in time for your birthday.
0: It's just in time. So my fun money's went toward that. And then the upcoming fun money is hopefully going toward wrestling action figures. We're going to see... We're gonna see because there's all kinds of stuff I want right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When do the wrestling action figures come out?
0: Uh, The pre order ends at like the end of June or early July, and they actually release in like September, October.
1: So are they like can you pre order them now?
0: I can pre order them now. The problem is it's expensive to get everything from this first wave, Mm -hmm. and the problem is I don't like. I have followed this company, the people in it, the main ones that are like the the EVPs before this was ever a company and we were there watching their online YouTube show whenever they said, we're doing this, and we have followed. I have never missed a single TV episode. I've never missed you know, a pay-per-view. I followed a lot of what they've done, and so I feel like I need to get in on the ground floor with these because it's the next step in this company that I have feel like I've grown with. You know what I mean? I feel like yeah. I've been there for all of it because of that, and so I want to get in on the ground floor with all of it, but it's a lot of money up front for toys. So I wanted to wait, save up a minute until around my birthday, get any birthday money, and then pre-order them while it's yeah. still open. And I was say, get them.
1: you know your birthday's coming up too.
0: It's coming up next month, so there's that.
1: Just like start sending pictures to Rhonda. She'll like, <laughs> she'll, like actually get you a um rock attitude era action figure. That's what would, ha- that's what would happen. <laughs> You know, I saw this was on sale. No, Delton likes his action figures. He sent me some, but this one was on sale.
0: And I'm like, well, you see, there's a very specific (laughs) website you have to go to here. Ringsidecollectibles.com. Anyway, back to this beer. Nerd. Speaking of fun money, I'm sorry. I had to go out on that tangent.
1: Oh, my God. It
0: looks very dark brown. Not even hazy, but cloudy. You can't see through it. You just get some light a little bit.
1: It looks like a flat Dr. Pepper.
0: Kind of, Yeah. You smell Mm. malt right up front.
1: It smells like cinnamon raisin bread.
0: You can get the raisins very strongly, and you get the brown sugar pretty stoutly, Mm too.
1: Oh, gosh.
0: You can smell a little bit of the alcohol. So sweet. If you swirl it, there are very hefty legs. Oh, boy.
1: Sexy legs.
0: The legs of a stallion. (laughs) Some strong legs. That's what that is. All right, we're going to take a taste. Haley, take your first taste of Dogfish Head Raisin D'Extra.
1: Oh, wow. Is it more my
0: kind of beer than your kind of beer? Because I have a feeling it is by smell.
1: It is, but it just tastes like you're biting a raisin. It tastes like, you know those raisins that are kind of sour-ish that you get? You know whenever you're eating raisins? There is a
0: sourness to that. It's like one of those
1: sour raisins, like a green raisin, almost.
0: It sort of is. It's very, very sweet, very bready. It's got, uh, Mm. now this, hmm, the mouthfeel. Mm. This has what I would describe as a chewy mouthfeel. It lingers heavily after you swallow. It, it fills out in your mouth to where you have to swallow again after.
1: That's what she said. Thank you. But you know, whenever you have oil in like a, let's like say you're measuring oil in, a, in mm-hmm. a measuring cup and you pour out the oil and there's still like a oil residue. Yeah. That's what it kind of feels like in your mouth. Like after you swallow, it feels like there's still that layer of oil in your mouth and you have to wait for that to dissipate.
0: I could see that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
1: How that's it, how, how it feels in my mouth anyway.
0: It's very, very good. The aftertaste is good. The taste is good. It's very sweet. There's not much of an alcohol taste at all, which is surprising. And it's got raisins, that tiny bit of a tartness with a little bitty bit of bitter.
1: And there's a lot of alcohol in this. It doesn't taste like it is this strong in alcohol.
0: It is not a chugging beer. However, yeah, you could drink one or two of these without realizing how much you're putting away.
1: And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> but it's very, very good.
1: Yes. Yes. A plus Dogfish Head, as always. I was
0: going to say, as always. I
1: have never had a Dogfish Head that I didn't like. Exactly. That's the thing. All of them are just superb.
0: Even my favorite local beer companies, there's always a beer or two that I just don't care for. I'm like, ah, that one's fine. But Dogfish Head has never been that way, and I've had a lot of Dogfish Head. I need to find like a list of every beer they produce and start marking them off.
1: We've tried a lot.
0: (laughs) We have. Well, I think before we move into the game of this episode, I want to do the Kickstarter shout... Kickstarter shout-outs. Oh, my God. Patreon shout-outs now. So we are going to thank Allison, of course, our number one fan that's been around since the beginning. Alan is back, back on the bandwagon of the Patreon train. Guess who's back? Back, back. Back again. And, and.
1: Alan's back. Back, back. He's my friend. He's our friend. Okay. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And then we have, of
0: course, Jesse and Catherine. Yay! Our great, great friends south of us.
1: We are so grateful to all of our Patreon backers. Be like them. Get on their level by doing, was it $5 a month? $10 a month.
0: Theirs is the $10 $10 a month month level. The 10 is a shout out on the podcast. The levels below that deal with uh, videos, our Twitch stream, which by the way, we have been streaming on Twitch every Friday night now at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Central Standard Time. Chicago's time. I guess so, yes. Uh, We have been streaming on Twitch and trying to shout out our Patreon backers that are of the video uh, credits level there as well as the podcast level. And then we have the uh, Twitter shout outs and just the $1 support as well. We do. Um, I mainly wanted to thank them because I have used the money that is in our Patreon and I am proactively using the next couple months because I picked up a Zoom H6 that went on sale for the lowest price I have ever seen a brand new Zoom H6. Uh, That will allow us to record using my good uh, shotgun microphone that I also got with Patreon backer uh, donated funds. That way we can record videos outside of the computer room using my nice microphone, as well as be able to take our microphones and truly record at conventions. So that way we can make good videos at conventions if we want to. We can do interviews, things of that sort. It's just going to make it a little easier on me. And the editing, the setup, the tear down, those processes now. I've got another piece of equipment to make my life better.
1: Yes, yeah, so we're really great for you for you guys. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast, not only financially, but by listening as well. It is because of listeners like you that we do what we do, just like OETA.
0: Exactly. I never thought that I it would be people listen to the podcast. Like i I make this podcast. We make this podcast. I wanted to start it because it's fun. I love board games. I love beer. They go together for me. We play board games. We have a beer. It makes sense, right? I wanted to do this for fun. But the more that people listen, and the more that people relate, and the more that we find out people listen to our show and enjoy it, it makes me want to keep going, not just because I like it, but now people have an expectation. People are excited. They're ready for the next episode to come out, which gives me joy in the fact of making this. It also makes it more fulfilling, and it makes me want to keep going. And so if I can better the product and... Find more ways to make it interesting and put out more interesting content for people. I think that that's a good thing.
1: I think so, too. But that's where I'm at. It was so weird. Uh, so, first of all, I'm, I'm going to gonna say this first. Congratulations to Allison. She got married last week.
0: Congrats, Allison. Yay,
1: we're so proud of you. But we got to, I got to officiate her wedding. And so I'm, I'm talking to Allison um, throughout the wedding. The photographer's there. It was a social distance wedding. Everybody uh, stayed like they 10 feet apart. It was very low attendance. Only 10 friends, family, and all that jazz. But uh, I was talking to Allison and the way I said Spongebob was really silly. And the photographer turns to me, points and says, S- uh, podcast. And I was like, what? i would never met this guy in my entire life. And he recognized me from our podcast and it just, it made my day. Like it, it meant so much to me that somebody listens to it. And so it's always a really surreal feeling whenever I meet somebody who actually takes the time and listens and enjoys our podcast. So thank you guys for supporting us. It's really fun.
0: Definitely. With all that being said now, This intro has run longer than most. Let's move to the game so we can move this podcast forward. Oh, here's the door. Uh, uh, It's straight ahead. It's, it's a game. So today we are doing a fan-made version of a game that happens to be one of the few fan-made versions that gets an official printing. Today we are doing My Little Scythe. Now, I don't think we've actually talked about Scythe on the podcast. Maybe we have. I would have to look at our log. Ooh, I need to put this in our spreadsheet too. Ooh, I have a spreadsheet I keep of all the games we talk about, the episodes that they're on, the beers we drink, the guests we have, the topics, the questions. I have a thing of ever all of that. Um, but I don't know if we've talked about Scythe before. It's a very, very popular game from Stonemaier Games. was a big Kickstarter success. Still has a lot of players out there. It now has an app. And there is currently, as of this coming out, there is a Humble Bundle. You can go to humblebundle.com, I believe. And there is a package that's something like play with friends and it's all board game related apps for the computer, not your phone computer. Uh, Several of which work on the Mac OS, most of which or all of which will work on PC. Some of them work on Linux. I don't know who still uses Linux, but Scythe is on there and Scythe is very good. And that app, the like in-game app for the, for steam is very good. It's very fun. I really like it. My little Scythe, is a fan-made creation. It was designed by Hobby Chow with daughter Vienna Chow, illustrated by Katie Cow, so I'm going to pronounce her last name, and sculpted by Marcin Adelier. What it is is Hobby Chow made this game to play with his daughter Vienna because he loved Scythe and he wanted to have a similar feeling in a game but bring it down because I think she was only... Like eight? Maybe eight. Maybe eight. She might have been lower than that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what age they put on the box. Do you want to see? Eight. Is it eight? She must have been eight. He wanted something simpler that she could understand, but would give him the feeling of playing Scythe. That's where My Little Scythe came from. So My Little Scythe is exactly that. It is a more simplified, kid-friendly, much cuter version of Scythe. The way the game is going to play is you are going to be one of the factions within the game, and it gives you two characters. You can either be the Great Monkey Kingdom, the Eagle Kingdom, Kingdom of Boarland, the Wild Tiger Kingdom, United Bear Kingdom, uh, Musk Oxen Kingdom, and Kingdom of the Wolves.
1: I was totally the Tiger Kingdom because they look like little communists and I love it.
0: And I think, was that the Musk Oxen? I think you were. I think so, because I really love those little like ox with their horns. I just think they're cute. You pick one of those and you get two people. You move those two people around the board taking actions like moving. Uh, You put out supplies on the board, whether it's apples, scrolls, which are for encounters you have gives you a choice to make and gems. There are different ways to succeed in this game. If you can deliver enough gems by taking them to the center of the board, you can get a point basically. And the first one to get four of those different points can win. Most likely the game will end in a tie pretty often, which is then you use a tiebreaker, but all in all you're moving around the board, you're doing some different things and it's really neat. Uh, I'm going to assume most of you have played Scythe. If you haven't, it's very competitive. You're trying to be the best out of everyone. But what's different in this game that I like a lot compared to normal Scythe is this game actually rewards you for being nice to your opponents.
1: Yes. You have to earn friendship points. So if I, like, uh us say like Delton's sitting in the territory and I roll the die and I have to place resources out. If I place those resources in Delton's territory where he is, which makes them more accessible to him, I can get friendship points. So it really pushes you to build alliances that way. And also, instead of going into combat like you do in Scythe, for those of you who haven't played Scythe, it's very much area control. There's combat. You're trying to build up your resources. And so it's very much a um, us versus them game. But with this one, like I said, you're trying to build those friendship re- friendships, which I think is great and age appropriate for an eight-year-old. But also, instead of fights you or battles, you have pie fights. And so you have to collect pies, and you throw pies at each other in order to win the battles, and it's so adorable.
0: And one thing I think is really funny is the person who wins a pie fight gets one point toward the end of the game. However, the person who instigates, instigates, I guess that's the right word, the person who instigates a pie fight and is the attacker in the pie fight, they actually lose a little bit of friendship because they're rude and started throwing pies in the first place. And in normal scythe, if you attack somebody, you lose popularity because you're starting a war, starting combat. So it's funny that they tied that theme in so well to let little kids understand it better, which I thought was neat. Um, The game does come with an achievement sheet, so you can keep track of who wins. Who was the first person to win a game at two players, first person to win a game at three players, first person to win a game playing the Ox, things like that. The resources go out on the board randomly, like Haley said, and if you choose to uh, give your opponents access to those resources, you gain your friendship. I don't know. It's just really light. It's really easy. The box says 45 minutes. I think it took us like 25 to 30.
1: Oh, not even that.
0: Was it even not it even that? It was 17
1: minutes, I think. Was it? It, it was, was, really it was short. super
0: fast for us to play through.
1: But we're also two adults.
0: We're also two adults that have played a lot of games, and Scythe is one that uh, I've played enough to, it, it clicks pretty fast. Now, this can, game can be played one player, and there are little challenges within that and ways to you know change up the rules and stuff. But I think the cool thing about this game is not only is it made where kids can understand it and kids can come in, so if you have a younger family member, they can get into this pretty easily and understand the rules. But also, if you have friends who aren't that into board gaming, this is a great introductory game. It's cute, it's accessible, it's simple within the rules, it teaches different style of board gaming than what they're used to in mass market games. And you can say, well, if you think this is good and you want something more complicated, a little more to it, we can upgrade to the full version of Scythe. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's really a great spot for this game to be in. Kid accessible. It's cute. Everybody can play it. But it's an easy way to say, I want to play Scythe. I want the feeling of Scythe. But I'm playing with somebody who doesn't want that kind of complexity.
1: But it's complex enough to be engaging.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's enough you have to think still. But it's not so much that someone who's new to the gaming hobby or just isn't used to uh, you know complex or games with a lot going on, they won't be turned off.
1: See, I like this game, and I think this will be a great game to use for like a most of a therapy session. Like say, I'm working on a kid with social skills, like the importance of sharing. You know, sharing can help you to get ahead. So, for example, um, kids are very egocentric. I don't know if you guys know about that, knew that or not.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: But uh, you know, in teaching things like sharing, sometimes sharing can help you in the long run. Well, if you share these resources with me it might make it more likely that you win because you get more friendship points. And I really feel like it'd be great to teach kids those concepts. And so especially doing like a small group or even just siblings, I think it'd be fun. So that's like my therapist side It's like, how can I use this? How can I sneak it out of the house now so that adult doesn't realize it's gone and little kids can get their sticky fingers on it?
0: One thing that I like too, in normal side, there are encounter cards that you have. There's usually one thing that you do something nice and you gain something from it. There's one where you'll pay something and get something from it. And then there's one where you lose your popularity, but you gain usually more. So there's kind of like a positive, a neutral, and a negative. In this game, from my experience in our play, it seems like this game focuses more on there's two options. One where you gain something, one where you have to pay, but you can also just walk away and still gain something. And I think that that's a good way that you could use, again, to use as education of this is like a confrontation in a way. You have two options, but you can just turn and walk away from it and benefit in some way by doing so. It's kind of a neat thing that you could use as a lesson, but also I think it's good for kids because it's rewarding kids for saying, I don't like either of those. Well, you don't have to pick one. You can just skip it. Yeah. That's just fine, which I think is really nice.
1: But really, it's a fun game. Whether you are new into board games, whether you're playing with people who are new to board games, whether you have been in board games for a long time like us, or whether you're playing with a little one, it's really enjoyable and I highly recommend it. I think it is available at Target too, right?
0: Um, I'm not 100% on that, but I know you can pick it up a lot of places and they just released an expansion for it. Ooh. Um, I think it was for pre-order. I'm sure the official retail release will be within the next month or so, but uh, Stonemaier did put out an expansion that will give you more characters to play because this holds up to six people and there are six different factions or maybe seven in the base box and there will be more. But yes, it's definitely one that if you have somebody whether it's a younger child or somebody who isn't that into board games and you want to play something that's a little more complex but not to the level of something like Scythe, this is a great game for that.
1: So what really fascinates me about this game is that it was actually a fan production. Hey, what can I get you?
0: I'd like a topic.
1: Any special way?
0: Make it a top-shelf topic.
1: Coming up. Enjoy.
0: So for the topic today, we wanted to discuss a little bit fan made either board games or fan made rules or variations because there are a lot of those out there. As Haley said, and I said in the beginning, my little scythe is a fan made creation. Somebody took scythe and changed it and altered it and created this entire world and rule set to simplify the game and make it playable for his young daughter. Now, a lot of people out there house rule games. I know Alan, we've talked about this before that I don't like house ruling but Alan Gerding is the king of house ruling, and every game he owns basically has something in there that says, change this rule makes the game more fun. Change this rule makes the game more interactive. Change this rule makes the game straight up better. He has all kinds of stuff like that, and a lot of people do that. You can find all sorts of fan-made modules for games out there, and it's not a bad thing at all. I actually think it's great. I may not be the biggest fan of like house rules, But something like this is different. Something where someone says, hey, I took this game and I changed it up. Try this version of it. Somehow that feels different to me. But house rules can be that way too.
1: So I just need to get together with somebody who's good at graphic design, Brian, and make a whole new rule thing. And like, (laughs) look, Delton, look what I found online. It's official.
0: Yes, exactly. It's the official variant from the designer themselves. Cough, cough. Cough, cough. Cough, cough. But it's one of those things. And it's really neat to have something like this out there. One of the big examples that I've seen, and I don't remember the the name of it exactly, so I apologize, but it's easy to find, is Netrunner, the card game. It was the LCG from Fantasy Flight. Netrunner was a fantastic two-player card game where one of you was a runner, basically a hacker, and the other person was a defender. Uh, They were basically a corporation, and the runner was trying to take down the corporation, and the corporation was trying to take down the runner and prevent them from getting in. Very cool game, unique, Interesting, a fun theme. The artwork was great. It was fantastic. It was very popular even up until Fantasy Flight canceled the game. They released their second box set, kind of cut it off after that, shortly after that. And so it stinks because there was still a popular community of people that played it and not just online. So, what has happened now since the game is officially not being supported, there are actually tons of people that contribute to this website. And I can't remember the website or the exact group. But they make expansions and new cards, put them out as print and plays for people to download and cut out and put in their card games. And they are single-handedly keeping the game alive, expanding upon the game. And from what I understand, they do a fantastic job. So it's really, really neat that someone has taken the initiative to say, I love this game. We all love this game. Let's keep it going. Let's keep cards coming out. Let's make what we wanted to see. You know, let's do it. Let's balance it. Let's make this the best it can be. And it's just so interesting that a fan can do that.
1: And that is a board game community. That is a community right there.
0: That is. That really is. And Netrunner had that.
1: Yeah. Another one is one that just came out. It is the uh, story Blood Floats in Space. That goes with Mothership, right?
0: Yes, Blood Floats in Space. Uh, that one I just got from Kickstarter. It is a module that somebody made for Mothership. And it got the okay from Alan and Sean and you know Tuesday Night games and everything. but a lot of people make different PDF and physical versions of role play game rules, RPGs, things like that. And this was something like that. Blood Floats in Space wasn't an official Tuesday Night games release, but somebody made it for their games of mothership they wanted, and they got the okay to have on the cover, you know, built for Mothership RPG or compatible with Mothership RPG. And that's something that a lot of people can do is you can dive into the RPG world and there's so many fan creations, whether it's new unique monsters, new rule sets, modifications on a setting.
1: D&D is the original fan modification game.
0: It really is. I mean, D&D has, its, by itself, D&D expanded the entire role-playing universe mm-hmm. and other games have done the same thing.
1: Because you can create your whole entire world in D&D. Like you can create your own, your own story, or you can have whatever is available.
0: Exactly. I mean, the thing with RPGs are they let you use your imagination. So I feel like RPGs lend themselves to this much more than everybody else. However, board games is more difficult to do, but I also think in the end it's more rewarding because of that difficultness, Mm -hmm. that that, uh, difficulty. Because in an RPG, I'm like, you know what? I want this to be pirates, but they're also ninjas, ninja pirates. You're like, I've got it.
1: You know what? I want to have a six pack and be 380 solid muscle. I can do that. (laughs)
0: You must be a very large person for that.
1: Yes, yeah, so just like that one time we played, what was it, the one-shot Pathfinder with Christina and Micah?
0: It wasn't Pathfinder. That was a little, another, it was a small, somebody made a two-page rule sheet of an RPG online. But yeah, you were the big brute that just used muscle over everything.
1: Oh, it was wonderful. I absolutely love that role. I think I'm supposed to be a bouncer. That's not supposed to be.
0: Probably. We should do something like that again.
1: I would love that. Christina and Micah, I know you're probably not listening, but let's do it again. <laughs>
0: But it's really neat. There's all kinds of fan creations out there. Things you can find on Board Game Geek, different files, different variants. And it's okay to make your own as well. If you see something in a game and you go, you know what? This game really needs this as an expansion to make it better. Just do it. Go for it. And then, hey, if it works out really well, present it to the company. Nothing can come negatively from that. They can just say, we're not really looking to publish an expansion for this game. That's the worst that can happen. They can't tell you not to make something, as long as you're not selling it under the same game name and stuff. I mean, you can put it up online as just, Hey, I made this. You guys download it and try it. If you want. And that happens constantly in the board game
1: world. Or even just for yourself, or even just for the satisfaction of saying I made something.
0: Exactly. And it's just really neat. Like what I really want to see is I want to see now given we've only played the base game of time stories. We have one expansion that we haven't gone through. We want to have Brian to do that because he's our person that we've decided to take into time stories. And, he wants to do the expansion, the Marcy case. But I want to see what fans have made for that game. With all the cards available, you could probably print and play some cards. But I'm sure somebody has made an, potentially an even an even more compelling story to Time Stories in the base game. You know what I mean? Someone's done something. And so it's just so neat that people can do that. And some of it, sometimes like this, the actual publishing company and main designer of the game can come out and say, I want to publish your version. I think it's perfect for our lineup.
1: And it's friggin' Jamie Stegmeier.
0: Exactly. So it's really, really neat. But fan-made creations are, I think, important to keep the hobby alive. Follow your dreams, kids. Follow your dreams because they can come true. Can, not will, but can. (laughs) Realism. Uh, It's just really neat. I think it's worth doing. If you see something you want to change or something you want to add to it, just go for it. Why not? It doesn't hurt anything. And if you're looking for more and more for a game... Go to BoardGameGeek, go to Reddit, see what you can find, and somewhere out there someone has made some new variation or new rule change that you may just enjoy. And now, join us for a Malt House Games Podcast special I-Size Question. So on the topic of fan-made creations, our question for this episode is, Haley, what would you like to make for what game?
1: You know what I think would be fun? What's that? Is an actual wine pairing variant with viticulture. Like, oh. Like as you're making the wines, um, if you could have like a three different wines and as you make them, like that's whenever you get access to those wines. Like the first time you make a um, red wine, you get to open up, take a drink from this, this one. First time you make a blend, drink from this one. First time you make a champagne, make it from this one. I know that sounds really lame. You'd have to have like four different bottles of wine. I'm not saying you should drink all of them. But I think that would be really, really fun.
0: I think if you had a a group of people, you were playing like a four to five player game. Yeah. And yeah, everybody just had like, you know, anytime you make that wine, you get a shot of it. You
1: get like a a shot of it. Yeah.
0: Like a one ounce of it. And so you just split all the wine.
1: Because like there's some rounds where you make like one bottle of wine every two rounds or and sometimes you make three bottles of wine in one round if you play your cards right. But I'm just. But I just think that would be fun. Make it kind of like a drinking game.
0: That could be really cool. I think what would be fun is if you did that too, somehow with, when you ship an order, if something happens, I don't know what would happen there, but...
1: yeah, they run around the table.
0: Switch seating positions. Boom. Boom. That'd, like, be, that'd be terrible.
1: Oh, it's like duck, duck, goose. Kind of. Musical chairs.
0: But that'd be pretty cool. That'd be a fun way to play if you had enough people that liked wine.
1: Oh, I got people. I'm
0: sure you do. What about you, Delty-poo? For me, it's very difficult because I don't like changing games, and I also don't really have the eye for, like, I wish this game had this, or I wish this game had that. So it's tough for me to say, but I think in the end, what I'm going to say is, I wish... What I'll say is, I wish I could find a way to do a deck-building experience within KeyForge, Because... I know we haven't talked about Keyforge on the podcast and we need to at some point soon because I would like to do that, but uh, I find Keyforge to be fun. However, I've only ever purchased four decks. I've only played with two of those decks and that's it. And I haven't touched the game. I wish I could figure out a way to deck build with what I've got. And I know that you could just throw cards in, but I want there to be a system like in in Netrunner, you had these cards, you had so many cards you could have. Uh, then if you used cards for an- another faction, they had a certain amount of points and each card's worth a different value of points because of the strength of the card, which is why Scorched Earth was so hard to throw in so many decks. And it's just something that would be neat to me or even a draft variant. If there was a way to draft Keyforge, I would have more fun with it. So something like that for me, I think, is what if I, if I sat down and put the time into it, that's what I would want to do.
1: I think that would be fun too. I think it'd be good. Or it's putting two decks together and randomly dealing them out. See what you got.
0: You could do that, too. <laughs> the way the game works, that would work out. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the episode. Uh, aside from very long banter in the beginning, I think we had a pretty short episode, surprisingly.
1: How, how long is it?
0: Uh, we're only at like 37 minutes before I cut. Oh, gosh. So
1: it's a, it's wild. a, it's a
0: pretty quick one for the first time back.
1: That's what she we're, said.
0: We're just getting back into things, I, I think.
1: I guess we did do like two pretty long episodes.
0: We, did, we did do two one-hour episodes. And one, I think it's just under and just over an hour for the interviews. Good Lord. Yeah. But when you interview somebody, you got to have Godzilla. time, right? Yeah. Good Godzilla. <laughs> Dylan has his Godzilla shirt on. I do. It's my Gojira shirt. Gojira. All right. Do it correctly. I love the shirt. It's so good. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. So thank you again for tuning in and listening to the Malthouse Games podcast. I never even said we're a board, board game. Beer. Okay. Uh, thank, <laughs> you. Thank you again to our amazing <laughs> Patreon backers. If you want to be like them patreon.com slash malthousegames, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S games. If you have a game you want us to look at, a topic you want us to cover, a question you want us to answer, or any general feedback or anything like that at all, make sure to send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. You can also find us on just about all social media at Malthouse Games. We are most active on Twitter, however. You can also find me personally at deltonbrack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K, You can find Haley at
1: S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-L-Y-G-E-E-K at
0: Squirrely Geek. I also want to say, make sure again, check us out on twitch.tv slash Malt House Games every Friday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Chicago time. We have a beer. We stream some board games, chat with the chat, play Wavelength with the chat.
1: And Fun Employed this week. And Fun
0: Employed this week and play some games and just have a good time. So if you're bored on Friday nights, especially since we're all kind of still in quarantine lockdown, Uh, Come check us out if you want to. I guess that covers everything. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. I always feel like I am, even though I'm not. It's like when you go on a vacation trip, you're like, did I leave something? Did I? But it's fine. I can put it in in post.
1: Did I pack enough socks?
0: (laughs) Exactly. Thanks for tuning in to the Moth House Games podcast. Until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.